0: Welcome to the Stories Told Podcast. This is Episode 53. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Stories Told Podcast. Two authors talking about stories in movies, TV, and of course, books.
1: I'm Michael Grayford. I write action-adventure stories in fantasy and sci-fi worlds sometimes for younger readers, and sometimes for adults. And I try to always inject at least a little bit of humor.
0: And I am author E. W. Barnes, and I write action-adventure time-travel novels and space opera science fiction. Thousands of years, thousands of worlds, but be forewarned, beyond here there will be spoilers. Are you ready for the adventure? Let's begin. And welcome back to the Stories Told Podcast. I'm author E.W. Barnes, and with me is author Michael Grayford. And today we have a special guest host, James Fox, who is an author of science fiction novels, which we're going to hear about in more detail in just a moment. And we're also going to talk today about the story told in the 1999 film Galaxy Quest, which we are all really looking forward to. So we'll start off with James. How are you doing today, James.
2: Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. Very excited about uh, talking all things books and Galaxy Quest. It's a, a personal favorite of mine. So thanks, thanks again for, for having me on this show.
0: And we're excited to have you here. And how are you doing today, Mike?
1: I'm also doing great uh, and looking forward to hearing what James has to say and talking Galaxy Quest too.
0: Well, why don't we go ahead and just jump right into that. Now, as I mentioned, James writes science fiction. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your books and the projects that you've been working on recently?
2: Sure. Uh, So I'm one of those weirdos that doesn't sleep and uh, is constantly juggling 35 different uh, projects. I think it's only 31 right now. But I have a trilogy that's going to be Fully, pubu- fully published in like a month, I think. Uh, maybe maybe five weeks with Chris Kennedy Publishing. It's called The Soul Saga. First book is called Revolution. And it's uh, about a Martian revolution that takes place. And it's kind of a suspense thriller meets military sci-fi. So uh, it's got a little bit of everything. It's an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm most proud of in, in the writing of this series is the audiobook, actually. Uh, I'm a film director by day, author by night, so I definitely write for the spoken word, uh, more so than the written, and I think that the cast of narrators that that the audiobook is performed by just really, I mean, they just nailed it. It was really good. So uh, if you're into audiobooks, you're into sci-fi, and you're into like deep, complex characters that are one step away from either blowing up the world or saving it, I think you'll take my books.
0: And I actually have your first book right here in my hands. That's Revolution, which, by the way, the cover is, is gorgeous. And I'm oh, going to go ahead you. and read a little bit off the back for our listeners, and then we'll make sure we have a link uh, to the series and the audiobook in the show notes so folks folks can find these great stories. So this is for Revolution, and and I love the tagline. War is good for business and business is about to boom. Isn't that awesome?
2: Yeah, I like it. It's great.
0: So, and then it describes Revolution as the first in a gritty sci-fi saga with enemies at every turn. Grab your rifle, pack your side, and join the revolution now. That's gonna be a fun series. Congratulations on its imminent publication in five weeks.
2: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah book one or two I think are available right now. Uh, book three should be coming soon. So, Uh, and it'll be the debut of book three. I'm I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Very cool.
0: Awesome. And what's new in your writing world, Mike?
2: My writing world,
1: still working on Zara 2. My goal is to have the first draft of that done the end of this month. So I'm just plucking away at it, working on that. And what else? I guess that's it. Just trying to tweak ads yeah <laughs> that's it same same thing i guess until till I get through this draft How about you what are you what are you working on now
0: still working on the draft of Ecliptic, which is book two in my space opera series, The Adventures of the Imperian Guard. I am eighty five percent finished with this book. I'm so close to the end i've got to push through and just finish up the end so I can start working on book three and I have more. Audiobook chapters that I have l- uploaded to YouTube in my time travel series. I'm working on the chapters for book four in that series. The time travel series is called the Temporal Protection Core series. And so, book four chapters are going up every couple of days on YouTube. I'm about halfway through that. I'm going to be really excited because that's the last book that I will be putting up on YouTube. There is another. A standalone novel, which is essentially the origin story for the Temple Protection Corps and the villain that appears throughout all four of the books in the series. And that I'm going to make available in audio on Patreon only. So I think I'm not I'm not going to do that on YouTube. If people are really into the series and want to learn more, then that book will be available uh, for Patreon patron. Very cool. And as a reminder to our listeners, you can read The Adventures of the Empyrean Guard as it's being written in draft on Patreon. And the Tales of Zara*, Mike's series, the first book, is available on Amazon, both in Kindle and in episodic format on Kindle Vella, And all those links will be in the show notes. So this is the section, James, where we talk about sort of some of the stories we've encountered in our everyday lives, And so I'm going to start with Mike so James can kind of hear what we talk about. Mike, what interesting stories have you come across lately in books and movies and television?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things that I've seen since we last spoke, oddly enough, both star Chloe Grace Moretz. I don't know why that just happened to be the case. Um, I saw, I saw this movie that she was in called Shadow in the Cloud. I, I don't know. I don't know that I would recommend it. It's, it's interesting when I when I saw the preview, I, I added it to my list to eventually someday watch it, just because it looked kind of it could be like kind of over the top, silly you know ridiculous type story, and it is somewhat that though I wish they would have gone farther with it because now it's sort of like half kind of taking it seriously and half kind of playing with it and it just like didn't work for me, yeah. Anyway, the other one was uh the Peripheral, which is a TV show I think on. Amazon, which has a very cool premise. It's kind of like a VR type story but with a twist on it. And I'm just I'm just getting into that one. i maybe a few episodes in, and it starts off really slow. Like a, I could see if you watch, you might just like turn it off after the first episode or not even get through it because it's kind of long and stretched out. It's kind of like what we talked about with uh, the last Indiana Jones movies yeah. or movie, where a lot of the scenes just kind of overstayed their welcome. It kind of feels like that, so I'm hoping it picks up because the story's kind of interesting. So I'll continue with that one and see where it goes. Um, but those are the two that I have touched upon in the last week, yeah.
0: Cool, and James, have you encountered any interesting stories in movies, television, or books lately?
2: How long do I have? No, I'm just
0: kidding. Um,
2: well, uh, being in the film industry, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a nonstop thing. But uh, the one thing I will uh, point out that I have not watched, but uh, is a cool story, is that my film released um, the my latest film, uh, feature film called Crypto Shadows, and it's available on basically everywhere there's streaming, Amazon, Vudu, uh, Apple TV. And it's a really cool kind of character study uh, involving somebody finding a hidden code inside of cryptocurrency, uh, and that the government has been secretly outsourcing this uh, cracking this code via the cryptocurrency platform. So, kind of a neat uh, conspiracy theory. It's got some some Sandra Bullock the net vibes and some. A uh, chain reaction vibes if you're, you remember those those films. But um, oh yeah, the other thing that's neat about it is it's only one character throughout. So we had a lot of fun as a crew trying to bring the audience into the state of mind of the character. And when you don't break POV when it's only what she knows throughout the story, it's it's pretty fun. It's actually achievable. Like you, I've had a lot of people comment and, and reach out to me about how. Like they felt crazy by the end of it, like they weren't sure what was real anymore, and that's exactly what we set out to do. So that that's, that's a, a fun personal story. So if you're into you know kind of techno thrillers, I'd definitely check it out, Crypto Shadows.
0: And congratulations, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, that thank you. Really yeah, nice. it was a it was an uphill battle. You know, it it wound up having to film during COVID, so we had to reduce our staff dramatically. Our budgets got reduced. Like I mean, it was a it was wow. a, it was definitely a challenging one to get done yeah it was i was trying to finish my book series on top of that and then you know i lots of personal stuff happened as it always does and um it just it was a a, a labor of love but definitely a, a heavy boulder to push up the hill
0: yeah i was gonna say we're gonna make sure that the link for that will be in the show notes as well so folks can check that out
2: cool uh other than that i was actually uh at a convention all week last week and um flew home and watched the last voyage of the Demeter. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like the Bram Stoker's Dracula ship log story.
0: Um, oh, how terrible. cool.
2: Yeah. And they turned that shiplog into a movie and, oh my God, like I, I, I'm, like I get chills thinking about it. It was terrifying. It was a very moody film, uh, a little bit gory. So, you know, trigger alert, but, uh, like I you know I was watching it and then the, the woman next to me on the plane kept flinching every time there was a gory scene so I was kind of like trying to position my phone so that she wasn't being upset by it <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah it uh you know for for just a short little story within a story it was cool that they could like extract an entire film from it and I don't know why but I I never really considered that I'm a I'm a big uh Bram Dracula fan and yeah, I just, you know, when I saw the I saw the poster, I was like, that looks like a cool poster. I had no idea what it was about. You know, I just, I recognized the name of the ship. And then I put two and two together, what was happening. I was like, wow, this is really impressive. So, um, you know, shout out for them. That was really, really fun. Other than that, I've been watching, uh, I've been binge watching Suits. So, and it was it was weird that all the suit act characters all throughout the Super Bowl commercials. Did you guys see that? Is it making a comeback? Like, do people know something I don't know?
1: They're doing a spinoff show because they re-released Suits on one of the platforms, Netflix, maybe, yeah, Netflix. and it became hugely popular again. Like after you know after it originally aired, so they're like, "Hey, wait, people like this, so now they're going to do a spinoff show." Suits LA, I think.
2: but not the same characters.
1: I don't think it's the same characters, although I wouldn't be surprised if you know they pop in and out occasionally.
2: I was I was watching the Super Bowl and yeah, I kept seeing all of them pop up. and I'm like. What is happening? I thought this was an old show. So yeah, cool. All right, but that's that's it. I mean, I, I mean I could go on this for, for weeks. So um I'll just I'll keep it to those highlights.
0: We are still watching the first season of Halo, re-watching the first season of Halo to prepare to watch season two, which just released last week, I think it was. So that's what we've been watching. And we also watched the Marvels, which is now available for streaming on Disney Plus. Uh I, I really appreciated what they were trying to do. Unfortunately, it sort of fell short in a couple places, but there was also some really hilarious moments uh in the movie. So I would I would call it sort of like in the middle, right? The solid middle of mm. sort of the new era Marvel movies. There was a couple of things where I was like, okay, I see what they're trying to do there. It didn't quite hit it right well. And then there were a couple of things that I actually like laughed out loud and had tears running down my face because it was funny. So, yeah. Anyway, so are we ready to talk about Galaxy Quest?
2: I'm always ready to talk about Galaxy Quest. Let's do it.
0: Today we're talking about the story told in the 1999 film Galaxy Quest, and I will read the synopsis available on IMDb. The alumni cast of a space opera television series have to play their roles as the real thing when an alien race needs their help. Did you like this movie, Mike?
1: Uh, yeah, much like the last few movies we've done, this one was just fun. There's so much going on. It's, it, it's great, it's funny throughout. All the characters are so distinct. I think that's one of the things that they really did well in this movie was making each character feel unique. They've each got their own issue that they're working with and their own role on the ship. And then, you know, they have to go through a transformation by the end of the movie. I thought all that was handled so well. And of course, it's just it's so funny throughout. I think if anyone has seen Star Trek, especially the original series, but probably any of them really. You can definitely relate to this and get all the jokes and the fun they poke at those series. Just so many little things. I love when in the beginning, Tony Shalhoub character, I forget his name. He can't remember what the Sigourney Weaver character did on the show.
2: <laughs> just
1: little things like that. so good. Uh, and Alan Rickman, of course, is phenomenal throughout. He's just disgust at Having to still do this character, these conventions, and I love how throughout the whole movie he always has his prosthetics and, and makeup on when everyone else is just you know they have their little outfits. Uh, so many good things! I love that the extra guy Fleegman just like hops on and, and joins them for the ride, and he's now part of the story. Man, so many fun, so many fun and funny things. And they do such a good job of tying off elements that they introduce early in the movie. It's just really well done, not just from a humor perspective, but from a writing perspective and a structure and character development perspective. We get to see what each of the characters has to overcome and how they change. You know, the pilot learns to trust himself and be able to fly the ship, which the moment where he, like, he first fly flies the ship out of the star base and the people are all gathered there and he's scra- scraping it along the side. this side. It's just phenomenal. And of course, Alan Rickman character learning that his character actually had an impact that he, you know, that he has been playing for so long and was kind of disgusted with. And at the end, he's proud to say his, I grab Thor's hammer line. That's great. Guy Fleegman gets to learn that he's not a throwaway character <laughs> all these things right the characters all have something they come go through although Sigourney Weaver's character I'm not sure I felt like her character should have been about learning that she has her own voice but I don't know that that carried through or maybe I missed what her character transforms through but yeah overall man I love this movie I, I haven't seen it in quite a while but watching it again was such a treat uh, I'm here curious to hear what what you guys have to say about it
0: James what did you like about this movie?
2: So um, this this is one of my favorite movies of all time, actually. So I have seen it so much that I could I could damn near re reperform it and, and with all of the characters in real time. And I found myself like like mouthing the lines <laughs> along with the show as I was watching it, even though it's been probably a decade since I've seen it, Excellent. and just you know giggling before the joke even <laughs> happens. So. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where, especially in comedy, the characters are so heavily flawed that they're very real, you know? Like, I I love the way that they, you know, like, they they'd all have their little quirks. They all have their little things that they're trying to, to deal with, you know? They all have these resentments about, and it's funny how often this actually happens in real life, right? Like, they were actually kind of poking fun at the industry because... There are a lot of really successful shows that have really, you know, uh, enamored uh, fan bases. That the the cast are just so sick of doing the cons <laughs> and the 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 appearances, and they just hate the characters, yeah. and you know, just really wish that it would all stop. And it's it's wild sometimes because they're like the franchises are so successful. I mean, you see this all the time. It's like a real <laughs> depiction of you know, a snapshot of the industry, like dealing with these, these, these things. Sigourney Weaver is just brilliant throughout as like the snarky, you know, love interest that we used to play kind of a a quasi drinking game about, you know, with the show and, and boob jokes, you know, and like boob references. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's poking fun at the idea of like the revealing fantasy armor and like the, you know, the fact that like everybody else has their like You know, mock turtleneck zip ups zipped all the way up under their chin, except for the chesty Sigourney Weaver, who obviously has it unzipped halfway down, right, for no apparent reason whatsoever. And guy is like in the background, like constantly like looking to the side, right? Like on almost every scene, his eyes are just glued to Sigourney Weaver. It's it's one of those scenes where every character in the frame has something funny they're doing, and it's almost like a choose your own adventure joke buffet. Even if all they're doing is standing on the screen looking at something. Like each one of them is like performing some kind of comedic bit. So your eyes just dance around the screen like laughing. You know, uh Rickman is rolling his eyes, you know, a Guy is staring at Sigourney. Like Sigourney is, you know, got her hands on her hips and is, you know, looking really disappointed. Like it's just everybody is just doing something fun. So uh this was also uh my dad's like favorite movie like this was his stress relief film it's one of the reasons why i have seen it so much he like whenever my dad was down or he was just in between you know me and my dad worked multiple jobs and, and was always kind of like in transit from one job to another he'd like to turn this on pick a like random scene giggle uncontrollably and then like run off to the next gig now you know that my dad's gone has kind of like a special place in my heart so uh honestly when it when it first started I you know I wound up tearing up and just, you know, like thinking of all the memories of rolling around on the ground with my dad just laughing our butts off at, at this movie. Not only is it super funny, but it has that like you know, heartwarming nostalgia. Um and uh it felt good to watch. So I it was it was neat. Uh, a year ago I probably would have sobbed through the whole thing.
0: I'm glad that it was an enjoyable experience.
2: Yeah, it was great. Um and like the writing the writing is just so good like i i i feel like whoever wrote this has like seen this happen this like <laughs> degradation of talent and like yeah that's what know, it feels like bubbling over resentment you know
0: well and i have very similar thoughts as well for me when the mu- music comes up i too have an emotional response of how much i love this film how much i've always enjoyed this film and so it was easy to just sort of think back into enjoyment but i did force myself to pay attention to the different elements of it rather than just sit back and enjoy it. And I I had some of the same um notes as you did, Mike, about the characters. Each one of these characters has a has a significant arc. And each one of their arcs are beautifully woven together in with the action of the story so that as they resolve their arcs, they're still moving the story forward. This is such good writing. To, and it's so clean, like you said, everything that's set up at the beginning is then You know, you get a a payoff at the end. It's very satisfying, which is part of the reason why it's so enjoyable. One of the things I really paid attention to this time was the bathroom scene where our main character is going to the bathroom in one of the stalls and a couple of kids come in and are making fun of him. And I was listening to yeah. what they were saying about him because you, Mike and I have been talking about in the last couple of movies we've been seeing about how someone at the beginning of the story tells the main character what their need is. And then the main character doesn't react the way they need to, or has, that's the journey that the main character has to go on. And for this time, and of course, it, you know we know this movie very well, but I was really paying attention to it about how they said two things about how he's a has-been, And how his friends don't like him. And so then what he did was. Is focus on the first. And not the second. So that when the Thermians came. And took him to their spaceship. He was focusing on redeeming his has-been element. You know that has-been sting. That he overheard. And not the friend's sting. The friend's sting didn't come until the very end. When he realized that was the lesson. That he had to learn. And And I thought it was really well done. Because you know he's he's trying to redeem his has-been thing and when he invites them to join him it's not because they're his friends it's because it's part of his redemption of the has-been thing right and then it's well, not until it, the, the very end yeah
2: that's like that's like his his whole character you know, tim allen's character like that's his whole flaw is that he's yeah he's living off of borrowed glory almost you know like yeah. he he is yeah. as, a, as a human you know he as a person is only his character and his character hasn't done anything for 20 years or whatever. So everybody else wants to move on, and instead he's holding them all back by doing all of these cons and and doing all of this stuff. While you were talking, I was actually looking up the the writers, uh, David Howard and Robert Gordon. It's it's funny, like, neither one of them have many IMDB credits. I don't know if like maybe they you know have done other stuff that's just not listed, but uh, I see that David Howard has a galaxy quest tv show in development
0: yes i saw that
2: so that's interesting uh, i would be super into that
0: yeah the other thing that i noticed i also noticed mm. like you did mike about alexander never taking off his headpiece until the end until he gives that performance of the lifetime for the dying Quelic. then because he was, you know is running around beating up insectoids then the thing starts to fall off of him. Yeah, Like when he finally accepts that this is part of who he is, then it's like the prosthetic starts to come away. I thought it was just brilliantly done. Was there anything in this story that you might have done differently?
1: I would say, I mean, you know, as we've mentioned with the last few stories that we've covered, anything would be like minor stuff because it just works so well you're really tweaking with something that's already great and you know you might end up making it worse the one thing which i kind of hinted at earlier was i wish sigourney weaver's character arc was a little more clear like the growth that she goes through yeah that's a small thing and then the other thing is at the at the very end the the device the omega device or whatever it was called that i mean there's so much suspension of disbelief like throughout this movie right but that one really stood out to me as like kind of odd because the show didn't say what this thing was the thermians didn't know what this thing was like but Saren wants this for some reason like he doesn't even know what it is and then it becomes this like get out of jail free card time travel thing which is part of the amusement of it but i think Structural, From a story structure standpoint, it would have made more sense to me if it had been something that was known like, oh, this thing creates a black hole, right? It's like this super dangerous thing that nobody wants to use and then they end up using it to destroy Saren's ship or something like that again, a very small thing. I mean, you're going along with so much in this story. You've got, you know, this monster made out of rocks and (laughs) and the whole ridiculousness of these people believing that Gilligan's Island is real and all that (laughs) stuff. So it's just one, it's just one more thing. You got to suspend your disbelief for and it's fine and it's fun. So it's not like it's a huge deal. But what what about uh, what about you, James? Is there anything you would improve with this?
2: So I was gonna I was gonna say the same thing. Like the the ending is like it's and I think what was brilliantly done with the ending and and throughout the whole show is that it it has all of the hilarity and like oh what a coincidence! If it hadn't been exactly a thirteen second uh, time dilation device, they would have all been dead, right? <laughs> right. You know, like it's. It's that absurdity of like, you know, especially like shows from the 70s and 80s, or it's like there's just like one very specific thing that manages to save them, right? So like, I know they did it on purpose, but, yeah. you know, I think that modern audiences now have gotten pretty hip to like those coincidences uh, being too convenient, right? So, you know, if, say, for example, I was going to do like the reboot of this show or something, or of this, of this film, I would, I would definitely make it more of a known quantity like a known thing at the end that saves them where they're making a choice instead of just like well we don't we don't really know what else to do so i guess we're gonna hit the big red button the other thing too is um i there were several characters that i think could have contributed more to to the whole like overall story was it uh justin long yeah you know like it could have uh i don't know it could have done a little bit more the phrase I like to use a lot is they left a lot of meat on the bone. I felt like they, they wrap up their main character storylines, whatever, pretty well. But um I think that it could have been the film could have been a little bit longer and it w- would have been even more entertaining if we've included some of those other things a little bit more.
0: Yeah, those are good notes. Yeah, it is good note. And I only actually have one really small thing uh for me. I don't mind the... um Omega thirteen thing because it is in line with the hokiness of those kinds of shows that this is lovingly making fun of for me the thing that I would change is that there were saris would occasionally use cliches that pulled me out of the universe and and I know it's it's crazy I know it's a small thing, but the, the line where he says Without your shields, my ship will tear through yours like tissue paper. I'm thinking, what do you know of tissue paper? You're an insect thing.
1: Yeah, I thought that one too.
0: <laughs> so it's just li- little things like that. Now, you can go ahead and maybe rationalize it by saying, okay, that was the translation device, putting it into a cliche that could be recognized by an American speaker, English speaker, or whatever. Right. But I think for, that could have just been avoided. You know, you could have just taken that up. Now, is that a big deal? Absolutely not. You can't take away from the fun of the movie not in the least so that was the only thing that i could think of that i would change i agree too up about the sigourney weaver character i think she starts off you know her character arc is one of relevancy uh, to the story concrete relevancy as as opposed to as you guys pointed out just a sex object you know the, the the female potential love interest what what is her intrinsic relevancy that comes directly from her character in the story, and she doesn't really have that, and I, I agree with you, Mike, it's not really clear at the end, though the implication is at the very end when they show that there's a new series that they're starting, that she might now have new responsibilities, based on the fact that now her shirt goes across instead of down.
2: Right, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that uh, yeah, I mean that was just kind of a, kind of a, a factor of 90s shows, right, like I do think it's interesting that like all of them had kind of cross purposes. I think that's one of the things that makes the the comedy sustainable throughout, right? Is Tim Allen's character loves his character, loves the show, can't get enough of it, can't move on, and, and drags everybody along with him because he just, you know, he's he's like taking bookings just totally like at random hungover. It's like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. No problem. You know, it's like just whatever to keep the dream alive, to keep the band alive where everybody else wants to move on. But then by the end of the show he learns that you know his his friends are actually what's most important and that he's been holding them back and what So it's 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 interesting because like like everybody else hates the show, hates their characters, doesn't want anything to do with Tim Allen or Jason Nesmith and 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 just like wants to like bust the band apart and move on and grow. And you know by the end it's like they're all obsessed reobsessed with the show and and see the value that they that they have been missing in it so it's it's interesting and i I think that I think that scorney Weaver's character it, like we could do like a full dissertation on like how underused that character is and and how her arc has more to do with Jason than it has to do with you know her character Gwen.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's Even. what I so, thought. So, like,
2: again, like if we were going to remake that, like that could be something that would be front and center of, of a remake because you know you just never want to see a character, you know, a character that is nothing but a supporting character, you know, whose arc is the yeah. completion of somebody else's arc. Like her arc was falling back in love with yeah. Jason while he's falling back in love with the show.
0: As a writer, Mike, what do you take away from Galaxy Quest?
1: Yeah, the interesting thing is, like, the thing that I I took away, like, after I saw, it, like, right after I saw it, the first thing I thought had very little to do with what we talked about. Actually, the the thing that struck me at the end was people root for underdogs, right? We want to see people struggle and overcome, and that's what they did, right? Those are just actors. <laughs> what business do they have being in space? You know negotiating and fighting on behalf of this alien society they're complete underdogs and somehow they pulled it off at the end and you know they like james said they they rediscovered their love for these characters and for this universe in doing so um so for me it's don't don't forget about the underdog story that's that's one of my i mean there's a lot more to take away but that was the first thing that came to mind
2: I I think it's a masterclass on comedy uh, and how just pitting two characters against each like diametrically opposed you know like Tim Allen and Alan Rickman you know like they were literally at cross purposes they they are almost protagonist and antagonist on the same team and I think that that's just a a recipe for for comedy there, there were so many just little moments between them. You know, like, and and there's that that whole scene where they like they get, get captured. They go to like the, the the hangar or whatever, and he's like, "It's a good thing that we don't we didn't do this like we did in episode 18 or whatever the number was." And Alan Rickman like gets it, and they like start acting fighting, and then they like start punching, and then at the end, Tim Allen's like, "You used to pull your punches," you know, and it's just like it's yeah. little moments like that, right, where you're like, like a hey, that's the unique gifts and qualities that that the actors you know at being actors are bringing to this like real life situation right Is that they could pull this off you're buying that it's like a you know quote unquote fight fight scene and then you get to the end and tim allen is like you split punches so it's like he was really getting you know his teeth knocked in by by his friend you know like it's just it's like those like cross-purpose moments that just really make a you know, bread and butter comedy and i'm uh it's one of the things that I love to put in my stories is just a little bit of comedy. And this kind of just kind of opened my eyes to like a real natural way to introduce some of that is just put people across purposes on the same team.
0: That's a great observation.
1: Yeah. that's good.
0: I wanted to address the enterprise in the room because one of the things that I took away from this film is this. Now this, again, this is back in 1999. So 1999, the Next Generation premiered in 1987 and ran for four, seven years, till so 1994, and had at the time, then it, I don't know. remember if it was overlap or right immediately following, we had Deep Space Nine, and then Voyager premiered overlapping with Deep Space Nine. So we were sort of in the heyday of the, the new generation of Star Trek series, and then this movie came out and essentially took on a sci-fi icon with their with with a parody of it and one of the things that I and, and this has been said before so I can't say this any better than other people who have talked about this movie since 1999 what is that 30 years ago now 20 years ago but they did it so gently and so respectfully and the main characters whose story we follow are vivid yeah. and dynamic and almost but not quite cartoonish and it's the fans who seem more real and I think that was brilliantly done in the way they did that they and the, and it was not just the writing but I think it was also how they were filmed and how they were directed I mean it was the fans who came out as the real and these characters whose story we followed were almost not real <laughs> if that makes any sense and I thought that in itself is a great takeaway that when you're dealing with something that is iconic and how often do we deal with iconic in our writing but sometimes we do yeah and to do so in a really thoughtful and gentle way And the other thing the care we take with our characters and their depth and their arcs and, and you know and that's something that i always like to take away from a good story that i see i will say this i have some head canon that it would be very hard to hide that crashing spaceship into the convention center. And so, my sure. headcanon is that in return for their silence about what happened in outer space, that's the government is the one that made it made their second series. Ah,
1: that's a good idea.
0: And the other thing I think is kind of fun is I, I think Rain Wilson, who this was his first movie, and he played one of the Thermians. I think he's the only one in this movie that actually has been in a Star Trek now. I might, is there anybody else? He, right. he was in Discovery. He played uh, Harcourt, Fenton, Mudd. I oh, think he might be right, Discovery. actually.
2: I was actually really surprised to see Rain Wilson in there. Like, I, I picked him out right away as, as one of the Thermians. I was like, oh my God, check it out. <laughs> Look who it is. Yeah.
0: Is there anybody else you can think of who was in Galaxy Quest who's also been in a Star I Trek? I can't. Or is Rain Wilson our only anybody. crossover? so far
2: yeah
1: yeah I don't know nobody nobody jumps to mind yeah
2: hmm. I'd, I'll have to do some research and see if there's any other crossovers but I don't think there is
1: yes
0: well they're still making them well, strange cool. new worlds is brilliant lots of opportunity okay anything else we want to say about galaxy quest
2: Uh, if you haven't watched this film you should agreed
0: Thank you for joining us as we talked about the story told in the 1999 film Galaxy Quest. A big thank you to our Patreon supporters and all our subscribers. We're so grateful for your support and your encouragement. The stories told podcast is available on multiple podcast platforms. And we thank you for liking and subscribing or following depending on where you're listening. It may not be a big deal to you, but it means a lot to us. You can find Michael Grayford at michaelgrayford.com. And EW Barnes at 1000Years.com. And those links are in the show notes. James, where can our listeners find you?
2: Uh, the best place to find me is JamesFox.com. It's got all my links, Excellent. my books, my movies, um, and just a little bit about me. Also a newsletter sign up that I encourage people to sign up for to learn the inner workings of my serial creative mind.
0: Wonderful. Join us next time as we talk about Avatar The Last Airbender animated series in anticipation of the new live action series which releases next week at the time of this recording. Thank you so much, Mike and James. This was so much fun. James, we were delighted to have you.
2: Oh, I was excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you joined us, James, and I'm glad this movie meant a lot to you and that you were Able to enjoy it again.
2: Yeah, definitely. Any excuse to watch it.
0: And we'll see you next time on the Stories Told Podcast.